grace. We're, uh, we're on our way to Easter, and we're studying John. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one for you. It looks like this, and it's on that back rack. The, the scripture will also be up on the, on the screens, but we just, uh, I'm not going to move that. I'm Jason Warren Griffiths. I'm the youth pastor and uh, associate pastor of students and young adult. And I'm glad everybody's here. I thought there would be like 10 people, you know, because it's spring break. We're, we're, we're on our way to Easter. We've been studying John. And I don't know if you know anything about John, but John wrote his gospel after the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written. And he wrote it with the sole purpose to prove and convince anybody that read this gospel that Jesus was the Son of God and that if you follow him, you get true life. And that comes from the end of John. He tells us, actually, the purpose he wrote it. Uh, and right now we're going we're gonna to read from John chapter 9. And, yeah, that's it. On, it's on page... 136, if you have one of these black Bibles. This is John chapter 9. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am the light, I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes saying to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent one or missionary. When he went and washed and came back able to see, the the, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. I'm the man. I'm the guy. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. And then he goes, and we'll, 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 I'll give you a summary of this next test, but I want to scoot down to uh, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen me, you have seen him. And the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see. And those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind... 
you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sins remain. This is the word of the Lord. And respond, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, isn't that? This is a preacher's dream. This is one of my favorite passages. This is every, almost every favorite pa- uh, pastor, uh, every pastor's favorite passages. Behind the resurrection, and be, I, out of John especially, there's woman at the well, and then there's this one. I love, I love this text. Do you love this text? Have you ever read this text? Has anybody ever read this text? Yay or nay? Yay. Good job. So I can't see anybody. <laughs> and if it starts, when my, when my sweat connects in the middle of my shirt, that's when I'm going to sit down. No, I'm just playing. Uh, so he's walking, he's walking along. Jesus is walking along. And he sees. He sees this blind man. That's point number one. If you're hurting, Jesus, the Messiah, sees you. So he sees. And then he, he talks to his disciples. And this is the disciples have been silent for two chapters. So like Jesus has been just healing people and doing miracles and teaching theology. And all of a sudden the disciples chime in and say, hey, who sinned? Who sinned? This guy or his parents or his grandparents? Who sinned? Why is this guy blind? Jesus corrects the disciples. He teaches a little theology. He says, that's not how sin works. And that Jeff is actually uh, diving deep right here next door in the, other, in, the, in the sanctuary. And he's talking about how it's a faulty worldview when you think that someone who is going through a suffering time, it's linked to their sin. We're all sin. We're all covered in sin. And Jesus says, um, Jesus says, I don't, I'm not going to answer that. You know, I will not tell you the cause, but I will tell you the end. I'll tell you the end. I tell you, my God, my dad, he's going to be praised because of this. And so that's alluding to finding meaning in the mess. So he kind of just drops a hint that he's about to teach a parable. John, the gospel writer, he doesn't, he doesn't include parables. And I liken it to the difference between C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. C.S. Lewis, he loves to put words. He loves to, he loves to put words in the mouths of his heroes to explain great truths. You know, you got, you got your Narnia series and he's cruising along. And there's just the blatantest parable you've ever seen in your life. And he puts the words of Jesus in, into the lion, in Aslan, you know. And, he, and it, 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 he loves, like, teaching concepts. J.R.L. Tolkien, he doesn't put lines of, like, great truths into his hero's mouth. He describes a great hero, and you watch what he does. You watch what he does. You watch who Aragon is. He doesn't have to say, this is what nobility looks like. This is what character looks like. He is it. And John, the gospel writer, said, I don't remember Jesus talking that much compared to how much he did. He walked out what he was saying. He learned from 
his actions more than we learn from any of his words. So Jesus is walking along and he says, you know, I see this blind guy. The disciples say, hey, this guy who sinned, he said, I'm about to correct that. And then he kneels down and he spits. <laughs> My wife said, I love the earthiness of this text. <laughs> My wife's a great theologian. She is actually, she's ridiculous. All you circle of women, you guys can praise, but anyway. Uh, but he kneels down. You see, God, flesh, God is in flesh. Like, that's one of G- John's main points, is this is what God looks like if he's sheathed in human skin. And so God is kneeling down, and, he's, and he picks up some money, and he, goes, and he rubs it together, and he touches his eyes. John also, throughout this passage, it says his eyes. Usually in Greek, you don't have to do the preposition. You don't, like you don't have to tell whose eyes. You just know it's the eyes of whoever they were just talking about. And then if you do want to say his eyes, usually you put the, uh, the uh, whatever. The, I didn't, it's not preposition, is it? I'm not a grammar. What? Pronoun. The bam. It starts with a P. I got a master's degree. I don't care. You got your pronoun. Usually your pronoun's after. Usually your pronoun's after. John repeatedly puts it over and right in front. It's his eyes. If we could read this text, there would be bold. You know, there would be like a, there would be bold. Every time it said his eyes, it would be bold. Jesus cared about this guy. His eyes. He spits in this mud and he puts it on his eyes. The hurting person's eyes. So he touches his eyes. And then we're introduced to the mess. I think this is where he, we have to back up from the text and look at it macro. And see us as this blind person, this blind man. Augustine writes this and he helps us get there. He says, if we reflect then on what is signified by the deed here done, that blind man is the human race. For this blindness had taken place in the first man through sin, from whom we all draw origin, not only respect of death, but also of unrighteousness. This man's more blind. I don't know how you're hurting. I don't know if you feel alone. I don't know if you think you're forgotten. But Jesus notices you. The mess does not confound God. The mess does not surprise God. God teaches with the mess. God heals with the mess, the mud. But where's the meaning? I don't, know, I, I don't know about you, but I have plenty of mess. I have plenty of questions. Why this? Why that? Why is this man born blind? Um, this man and his family 
are brought before the serious people. That's the, like the, the section we skipped over. They're brought before the serious people. And we're not going to read because that's a lot of text. But he's brought before the serious people. I call them serious people because enough of bad stuff has been said about the Pharisees. You know? How many times have you heard people bagging on Pharisees? I bag on Pharisees on a daily basis. That's not true. But these people are serious. They're serious religious, actually. And we have more common with them than we do with the blind man often. At least I do. So they bring them before the serious people. And, uh, and that's where we start to find out the meaning. If you look in uh, verse 925, the serious people have just asked, what's going on here? Did somebody really hear you? heal you? And he says, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. I was blind, now I see. The simplicity of it is ridiculous. He just clings to that truth. That sums up pretty much that whole section. They keep quizzing him, and he just clings to those words. Note, the serious people, they don't see the mess. They see only themselves. One commentator put it, they know too much. They, say, they see too well. A little ignorance, a little confession of need could almost save their lives. One of my favorite musicians, he's a singer-songwriter, he's a preacher's kid. His name is David Bazan. He was in this band called Pedro Lion. He did a lot of concept albums. And one of them is Winners Never Quit. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a story of a, of a guy going through the worst tribulation of his time, of his life. And it ends. The last line of the album ends. And he says, hold on, I wrote it down so I wouldn't mess it up. There it is. Count it a blessing that you're such a failure. Your second chance might never have come. We're leaning towards finding the meaning in the mess. We're leaning towards getting some answers. Uh, and then we get to chapters, uh, verses 35 through 41. An honest man, he was saved from the mess. He was saved from the mess. Jesus heard that the man had been thrown out, and Jesus found him. So he first, at the beginning of the passage, he sees him. Finds out he's been thrown out because of him just sticking to his testimony. And he finds him. Why does Jesus ask this poor man the most difficult of all theological questions? <laughs> if you look at page 30, uh, 935b, he says, do you believe in the son of man? This guy, this guy, this poor guy is just walking along. He was blind. Now he sees. And then Jesus comes up and says, hey, do you believe in the son of man? It's like confirmation class or catechism. You're like just out in the middle of the wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere. It reminds me of one time I was, I was, I was here preaching. And I was, uh, and I, you know, I, I, sometimes I just call people out of the, of the, have you been here? Has anybody been here before when I call on you? It makes you just squirm. But I call and I say, Brian, Mary, uh, it was a Metcalf. I go, Brian, do you remember the story of, uh, and I forget the name of which story I was calling him on him. And he said, uh, no. 
<laughs> you know, Brian, that's how he sounds too. Uh, nope. <laughs> just called him out. This is just like this guy. Jesus walks up to him and goes, hey, you, do you believe in the Son of Man? And his honesty is one of the best things about this guy. He just keeps repeating, I was once blind, now I see. That's when he's coming up against opposition. Now this guy comes, hey, do you believe in the Son of Man? He says, he doesn't say, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I totally believe in the Son of Man. He says, where is he? Who is he? That I might worship him. And then he, he, uh, he just, it's an awesome, honest answer. Honest question. And then we get to this meaning in the mess. Jesus says uh, in verse, you have seen him. And the one speaking with you is he. Over and over, the gospel writer of John unveils. He pulls back the, the facade of Jesus being in flesh, and you, you see that he's God. And this is one of those moments. It happened at the, at the, with the woman at the well. He says, I am. I am this God that redeems. He says it right here. He says, I am the Son of Man. And the Son of Man is just, it was a simple title. It was a, it was a Jewish title that was given to the Messiah with a specific meaning, like an eschatological meaning, which means like an ending meaning. He's going to be the last man. He's going to be the man that represents all of humanity. He is going to be redemption, clothed, clothed in human form. What's the meaning in the mess? The meaning, and I, I, I left the out of the meaning in the mess. I, I, the meaning in mess. And that was intentional. That's in my sermon title. Because I got a million messes. <laughs> I want answers. I, where, what's all the meaning? Where's the meaning in these things? Where's the meaning? What, why am I going through? Why is life so hard? Why do I have to wake up every day and have to face this? Why do I have to deal with all these decisions? Why do I have to deal with all these struggles? I didn't sign up for this. This is way harder than I ever thought it would be. Where's the meaning? The meaning is to humble. The meaning is to draw us to our knees. The reason there's a mess is to let you know that you need to know that you're in a mess so that you need a savior. Jesus ends this passage and he says, you know what? If you think you see, I can't heal you. If you think you have it all together, I have no answers for you. I am an eye doctor. And not a physical eye doctor. I'm a spiritual eye doctor. I am, I am opening your eyes to a reality that is more real than your reality. That's kind of trippy right there. That's 22. But it's matrixy. 
If anybody has watched Matrix, I could preach on Matrix once a week. But the meaning in the mess is to knock you off your pedestal and get you down on your reality level. You, you don't have anything if you don't have God. You don't have anything if you don't have a Messiah to bring you out of this. Those who know they, they don't see already are perfect patients for Dr. Jesus. Martin Luther, he was writing a friend named George Seppling. They, they were once monastic buddies. They were hanging out in a monastery together, and then they were separated, and then he was writing them a letter, and this is what he said. He says, dear friend, Therefore, my dear brother, learn Christ and him crucified. Learn to pray to him, despairing of yourself, saying, Thou, Lord Jesus, art my righteousness, but I am thy sin. Thou hast taken on thyself what thou was not, and has given to me what I was not. Listen to this. Beware of ever aspiring to such purity that you do not want to seem to yourself or to be a sinner. For Christ only dwells with sinners. Martin Luther's writing to his buddy and he says, you don't ever lose this truth. And this truth is the meaning in the mess. Do never lose this truth. This truth is there was a great exchange. Jesus took on himself that which he was not, which is our sin. And he handed us that which we, we are not, which is his righteousness. Theologians call it the great exchange. I call it the strange exchange. Why the heck would anybody take this mess for his glory? No idea. But I know who got who I know who is sitting right in that place of wondering why why would anyone take my stuff and give me his righteousness? And that's this blind man. Because in all of the Gospel of John, this is the only guy, the only person, the only human being that gets on his knees and says, you are the Savior of the world. He's the only one that has that verb, worships, worships and falls before him and says, you are it. I am not. The meaning in the mess, brokenness, humility, lostness. It's our currency, and it's our only currency to hand to the king. You come in with your money, you come in with your cars, you come in with your houses, you come in with your fame, you come in with your popularity, you come in with anything else, and he'll say, I can't heal you. You have nothing to offer me because you don't need anything. You're not blind. I offer sight. the one the challenge remains are we not blind are you blind are you blind to your need 
Are you blind to your brokenness? The Christian must, this comes from Luther. The Christian must always remember he or she is Samuel Justus et Peccator. It's one of Luther's favorite phrases. He would repeat it over and over. And it meant, at the same time, both a righteous person and a sinner. We're at the same time in huge need. And at the same time, victorious through the cross. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. I'm a sinner, Lord, help my righteousness. Dear Lord, I just thank you for each and every person that's in this room. I pray that you would all, that you would call us all to see the blindness in our own lives, to see our need and run only and only to you. I pray that you would meet us where we're at throughout this week and you would remind us over and over and over and over and over and over again that we cannot do it on our own. But we need Dr. Jesus to come in and heal our spiritual blindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Jason. Let's stand together as we proclaim his greatness.